that is, we're his children. There's nothing on the creation to match who you and I are. It has nothing to do with being pompous and prideful. It has to do with what God says we are. And if you're going to have the right kind of attitude toward other people, you've got to have the right attitude toward yourself. Well, there's a fourth lesson I think we have to learn. That's this. We must learn to reach out to others in love. And in John chapter 13, I want you to notice in this passage what he says. He says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have lo love one toward another. So, you know, loving somebody else, loving other people is not an option. Now, somebody says, well, but you just don't know so-and-so. God does. And I don't see anything in here. He says, uh, uh, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you love certain people. It's not what he says. He says, if you love one another. Let's ask yourself the question, how many of us have acted in such a fashion before in our life that it was very difficult for somebody to love us at that moment? Amen? Amen. We've all been there. And so, therefore, we have to be forgiving toward other people. Now, watch this. To love someone doesn't mean that I like them necessarily. I may not like what they do. I may not like the way they act. I may not like what they have done. I may not even like that kind of personality. Can I love them as a person? Yes, I can. Because I can look through all of that on the surface and see that here's a soul. Here's somebody that God created and that God loves them. They're all messed up in their emotions, in their mind. They're all messed up. Why? Either nobody ever told them, or somehow along the way they got off track. Or maybe they never got on track. But you know what? Some of us could have stayed off track. Some of us could never have gotten on track. It's the grace of Almighty God that any single one of us is saved. Amen? All but the grace of God that He reached down and saved us. And, and when we bounced off the track once in a while, by our own will, He bounced us right back with some discipline to get us on track. That is the awesome love of God. And it's interesting when he says here, he says we are to love one another. There are two reasons he said that, and I want you to watch this. For example, he said in Matthew, the fifth chapter, uh, notice what he says here, and a lot of people don't particularly like this verse of Scripture because sometimes it uh, sort of rubs us the wrong way, but here's what he said. Verse 44, But I said to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It's real hard to love somebody who's persecuting you. And it's very difficult for us to love somebody who mistreats us. Here's what I want you to remember. There are two reasons Jesus said that. One of them is that he wants us to be compassionate and forgiving toward others, just like he has forgiven us. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you. So his first reason is that you and I would be compassionate and loving. Watch this second one. The reason he said to love your enemies and pray for them is because loving them and praying for them protects us from becoming angry, bitter, hostile, resentful, all of which are self-destructive. When a person lives with anger or bitterness, jealousy, all of these things, what happens? It affects them not only emotionally, their relationship to other people, but listen, it affects them physically. You cannot live with bitterness and resentment and anger and hostility in your heart without suffering, not only emotionally, but it, ultimately it's going to show up in this human body because God didn't create us to carry those. And so the truth is, he said, 
Pray for your enemies. Love your enemies. Pray for them in, in spite of what they do. Why? Because he wants to protect us. Listen, he certainly felt every bit of that. And what is he doing on the cross? Praying for them. Why? Because that was the right response. Here's what he said in this passage. By this, all men will know that you are my disciple, that you have loved one toward another. You think about that. You can work, for example, in your office or in your business for 10 long years, and they know you're a Christian. It's things you say and so forth. But let somebody wrong you terribly. Terribly they wrong you, and everybody sees them wrong you. And they see you, no anger, no bitterness, no hostility. You know what happens? In one incident, you make your most awesome impact in that whole office. More in one incident than you did in 10 years. Why? They see you acting like Jesus. Thanks for listening to In Touch, the teaching ministry of Dr. Charles Stanley. It's easy to focus our attention on ourselves, but as we encourage, serve, and love others, a lifestyle of caring and compassion will emerge, and our ability to love even the most difficult people will improve. You can review what you heard today when you click on Today on Radio at InTouch.org and search our website for free resources that can encourage you to walk more closely with Jesus. If you connect to our online bookstore, you can order a copy of today's complete message, A Life of Love. It's also included in Dr. Stanley's teaching set titled, Living the Extraordinary Life. Again, that's InTouch.org or call 1-800-IN-TOUCH. If you prefer to write, our address is InTouch, Post Office Box 7900, Atlanta, Georgia 30357. How you respond on the outside is determined by what's on the inside. That's today's topic in A Moment with Charles Stanley. It's coming up. Do you take sermon notes on the back of your bulletin, jot scripture references on the offering envelope? Start keeping things in one place, one organized place, with the In Touch Note Takers Journal. This leather soft journal contains 150 pages for taking notes and includes Dr. Stanley's 30 life principles. Find everything in one convenient place with the In Touch Note Takers Journal. Call toll free 1 800 In Touch or visit intouch.org. Trusting God each day can be a challenge, but working to grow that trust brings greater joy and peace than we could ever find on our own. In Trusting God with Today, the 365-day devotional from the teachings of Dr. Charles Stanley, we are encouraged to believe in God's love and rest in His purpose for us. Available now at intouch.org today. You're listening to In Touch. A spilled glass of water illustrates a spiritual truth about handling difficulty. Here's a moment with Charles Stanley. Sometimes we go through difficulty and hardship and troubles and trials in life, and we respond and sometimes we get hurt. Husband or wife walks away, something happens in your job, we, we all feel hurt at times in life. And Hudson Taylor tells the story. He was head of the Inland Mission, and he was interviewing this uh, particular missionary, young person, and uh, he was talking about the difficulties and hardships and trials and so forth that more than likely he's going to have to face. And so he filled a glass of water and set it on the table, and then he bumped the table, and a lot of the water spilled out of the glass. 
He said, I want you to remember this. When the storms hit you and you get hurt and there's sorrow and difficulty and hardship, the only thing that's going to come out of you is what's in you. Think about that. The way you and I respond to difficulty, hardships, trials, sorrow, rejection, all the rest, the way we respond is what's already there. You see, storms don't make us. Hardship doesn't make us. They reveal what's in us. Now, as in the process of going through it and learning and responding correctly, God can use all that for our good. What I want you to see is this, that we're going to be rejected by people in life. How are we going to respond? However we respond in life says what's in us. You can learn more about being filled with the Spirit of God through faith in Jesus Christ at intouch.org. And if this program has encouraged you to let Jesus be more visible in your life, please tell us your story. Next week on In Touch, if you're constantly focused on your heartaches from the past, you risk missing what God has for you today. We'll hear how we can look beyond our disappointments Monday on In Touch, the teaching ministry of Dr. Charles Stanley. This program is a presentation of In Touch Ministries, Atlanta, Georgia, and remains on this station through the grace of God and your faithful prayers and gifts. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look in an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Well, 231 years ago this month, King Louis XVI of France lost his head. His execution by guillotine was a precursor of the Reign of Terror, a 10-month period from 1793 to 1794 in which French revolutionaries executed nearly 17,000 of their countrymen. The French Revolution, one of history's most profound examples of the power of ideas, erupted out of the Enlightenment. In the mid-18th century, philosophers such as Voltaire and Diderot effectively argued that human reason and scientific inquiry, rather than religion, were the true path to progress and to greater freedom. In particular, Diderot's hostility to Christianity also spilled over into his views of the nobility. After all, if there were no God, then King Louis could not have been divinely appointed. And if the king had no sacred claim on power, he had no right then to live in an outrageous luxury palace in Versailles while the French people were living in famine. As is typical in historical epics like this, some took these ideas further than others. In 1789, just a few days before a mob stormed the Bastille prison in Paris, one of its longtime prisoners was transferred to a mental asylum. In his cell, he left a manuscript that would eventually be published under the title 120 Days of Sodom. The author was the infamous Marquis de Sade. Desaat thought his novel to be, and I quote, the most impure tale ever written. It depicted graphic scenes of sexual violence, torture, and murder. It was also, to the utter horror of Desaat's contemporaries and modern historians, semi-autobiographical. Desaat spent most of his life in prison or mental asylums because of his crimes, particularly against vulnerable women. More than just an awful story, his book was a philosophical proposal. While Enlightenment philosophers like Voltaire and Diderot denied the existence of God, they still defended many virtues that were distinctly Christian, including the goodness of self-sacrifice and the dignity of the poor. Desaad, on the other hand, did not share these philosophical inconsistencies. According to author and pastor Andrew Wilson in his recent book, Remaking the World, How 1776 Created the Post-Christian West, Desaad simply had no time for Christian morality. 
Quote, Desaad thought we should admit that there's no natural basis whatsoever for loving other people, forgiving them, or showing compassion. The doctrine of loving one's neighbor is a fantasy we owe to Christianity and not to nature, he explained. And virtue, likewise, is just a way of behaving that varies according to climate and consequently has nothing real about it. End quote. Though even the most radical sexual revolutionaries today would hesitate to claim the Marquis de Sade as their intellectual forefather, well, they kind of must. Before Darwin, he embraced a world in which the strongest survive and the most brutal thrive. Before the sexual revolution, he explored sex as only a means of pleasure with no regard for the dignity of people or their bodies. His open hatred for Christianity, he once called Jesus a scoundrel, a lecher, a showman who performed crude tricks, anticipated an argument still common today that Christianity is not only anti-intellectual and anti-rational but also evil. For the Marquis de Sade, freedom was pure license without the constraints or the consequences of morality or even biology. This is only thinkable in a world without God and therefore a world without design or moral order. Those who continue today to argue for such a world have no cause nor means to denounce the bad behavior of men like the Marquis de Sade. In the real world, the freedom to be fully human is grounded in the way that God made us. Thus, true freedom is hemmed in always by virtue. Among the many benefits of this worldview is the ability to fiercely repudiate the kind of degeneracy of the Marquis de Sade and to do so from sound philosophical ground. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. For more resources to live like a Christian today, go to breakpoint.org.